Welcome back to Teen Muscle Radio and this is episode 11. Thank you very much for checking back in to listen. And today, if you are watching on YouTube, then you will see that I am joined by my friend Seamus Lacey. And for some of you, you may not know Seamus, but Seamus is very active on social media and has, well, really recently been very active um, on Facebook, on YouTube, and he's also been a client of mine recently, um, but so much so that we've had like a lot of really interesting conversations over the past sort of six to eight weeks, and I really wanted to get him on the podcast, and I'm, I'm very sure that he's going to share some knowledge and some topics that you guys are really going to want to listen to so stay (coughs) tuned and um we will be doing a a really good podcast today so um before i go on with the questions and the topic most importantly seamus would you just like to introduce yourself to the listener and give them a bit of background about yourself yeah so hello everyone thanks a lot for that aj so i'm 22 years old I currently am a personal trainer and I recently, well, like a year ago, I graduated from university with a degree in sport and exercise science. I did my dissertation on pre-workout, which is quite interesting, on bench press performance. Um, Yeah, so I've pretty much been training since I was 14. Been on, when I say I've been on the YouTube scene, I mean I've been watching fitness guys on YouTube pretty much since 2008, 2009. Like the original guys like Nick Wright, Barfield Fitness, Scott Herman, you'll probably know all them, TMW. And um, I pretty much made, I actually made two videos back in 2010 mm-hmm. when I was about 16. Bro as hell, I did a review, I did a review on a fat loss supplement and a, I believe it was a mass gaining shake. Um, you can go back and look at that. It's quite funny, but don't take anything I say on there serious. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've been training since I was 14. So I'm 22 now. That that'd be about eight years. But there was I've had about a year off total injury time. 17 it was three months due to tennis elbow, which pretty much stopped me from doing anything that involved gripping. Mm. And then about two years ago, I had a lower back injury doing some bent over rows which is if you've seen in, seen any of my instagram or youtube videos i always do like chest supported rows now because i'm so worried but um <laughs> yeah so and then i've also pretty much in the first few years i was like a bro because back in 2008 there wasn't too much of this going on i believe even back then like nick Wright, barfield fitness they was bro as well so but then i've obviously you know as i got into watching matt ogus i believe he was the biggest uh driver because he was at the time working with Eric Helms and then if it fits your macro started getting really big and since 16 I believe I've, I was always typically skinny fat I was always uh when I started going gym at 14 I went at my school school gym I used to go uh Monday Wednesday Fridays before school started and you know I trained pretty bro I believe I would have started at about 50 kilos I was tiny but the bad thing was I was like skinny fat so I had no muscle and I was rocking like a little bit of a belly and love handles. So not only did I struggle to put on the size, I was always cursed with sort of feeling like I need to cut to get rid of my belly and love handles. And it didn't help at the time. My training partner was like one of them guys that's like 6% eating what he likes. So it used to get me all the time. So pretty much from 16, I'd do your typical bodybuilding kind of, I don't know what you'd call it, but I would spend half of the year bulking and then like a quarter or like the other half cutting. So my first, I've done about five, 
you could almost call them preps, but not for a contest, if you know <laughs> what I mean. Just something like that. So the first year, I did like a ketogenic diet, avoiding all carbs. Mm -hmm. I think back then that was pretty common, like bodybuilders, if you want to diet, just avoid all carbs. Then the second year, I was getting more into it. I, was, I used to have in my room at like 15, 16 stacks of MD and Flex magazines used to make my dad buy me then, W.A. Smith. But yeah, so I'd only ever get like really, really lean. I would never get abs or anything. I don't think I had the muscle mass for that. I'll just look skinny with nothing. If you go back on my YouTube or a recent post I made on Instagram, actually, you'll see how scrawny I was. But it weren't until I believe, so my last cut, my last bro cut, I believe was 2011. And towards the end of it, there was a big fiasco going on on YouTube. I believe it was TMW, Twin Muscle Workout. They had talked about um, intermittent fasting. And I believe, or was it they, I can't actually remember, but they was like, really pushing it. And they made a channel called Fasting Twins. Have you seen? I have seen that. See that? Yeah, that's interesting, so, yeah. Yeah, so, and at the same time, If It Future Macros came out, I believe. Okay. So at the two ends, I think I was getting ready for the summer and I was going on like a party holiday to Mali. So I thought, I really need to get abs for that. And at the tail end of it, I, I implemented them both. So this was back in 2011, I believe. So my first time doing If It Fits Your Macros and I gave fasting a go as well. Mm. And in them two weeks, like I think I'd plateaued just eating clean because you, you're not really tracking calories. You're not really in a deficit or as far as I'm aware, you don't know. So and then, you know, in them two weeks, I see great results. If only I had a longer time, I would have probably got lean. Um but back then, this was, I had a Blackberry at the time, so I didn't have my fitness pal. I'd sit there with a bit of pen and paper, write down the meal with all the label, I'd have a calculator out, I'd spend like a good hour to two hours a day. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> so then, and then, and then I went to university, and it's, I pretty much went there. And, you know, I'd, I'd, before I went to university, I used to go out drinking and stuff. But when I went to university, it was quite a bit of a culture shock to me. And I lived with another guy, he's probably going to watch this, who was into bodybuilding as well, just like me. So we pretty much, you've probably heard a lot of guys online when they talk about they get into the gym, the gym becomes their life. Mm. They sort of judge other people for not being into the gym. Like I wouldn't want to talk to people if they didn't talk about the gym, it got that bad. So me and this guy, we'd literally just wake up, talk about gym, go gym, um, literally for about a year. But anyway, that probably feeds into something I'll say in a bit. But anyway, that year, I bulked for a year with this guy in my first year of university. Okay. And then I started a cut with If It Fits Your Macros. That's the approach I use, like tracking. Okay. But I, I probably didn't do it the way you meant, like, that's recommended nowadays. Back then, I'd get up every morning, go to, because I've just got a car as well. I was at uni. I'd go to McDonald's, get a McDonald's breakfast. I'd save up all my calories till the evening, have a tub of Oreo as well. It was pretty bad. <laughs> Things like that. But still, for the, the first time ever, I got abs that year, 2013. That was when I was first active on Instagram. So if you ever managed to scroll back that far, you'll see I've even got a post down the first time I got abs. <laughs> and then, yeah, after that cut, pretty much with all these cuts, I end up getting to a point and then I either say, right, the cut's over or I go on holiday and then just go full bulk mode and just eat what, eat what I like. Then in my second year of university, leading into my third, I pretty much finally started to look like I lift. I don't know what it was. I didn't, I, I didn't have no growth spurts. I was just finally putting on the size. I think as I started tracking my protein and my calories at that time, that's when I really started seeing the results. Cause I, you know, and then that's when I had a back injury. So, mm -hmm. um, 
oh that put me out for a long time so okay it, i i went out on a night out i was dancing all night i had a tight back and I, I was doing some bent over rows back then i weren't aware as well of you know bracing when lifting and how you know important that can be to keep your lower back safe or mm. even anything related to that but that may or may not have been the cause that pretty much put me out for eight months so i spent that year pretty much partying a lot and i always had it in the back of my mind that you know, it was a passion of my lifting. At one point, it was everything. Yeah. And I always knew when I finish uni, I want to get back into it. So unlike most most of my peers in my exercise science class, believe it or not, they're all, they're, they've all got jobs in London, working in an office, doing like HR, I don't know, like recruitment. Yeah. And that was pretty much the only direction you could go in from what I'm aware of. Either you become a sports scientist in the lab at the uni or other universities, and for me, that would mean I'd be working with athletes that are doing like running, sports. I really weren't into that. I was more into yeah, it. Yeah, like sure. bodybuilding. Um, or you go get a graduate job, which I didn't want to do. My dad pretty much, not to bash anyone that does it, my dad's an accountant up London and, you know, long hours, something you don't enjoy. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to... Uh, do you know what? I didn't actually say to myself, I'm going to pursue fitness. I was a lifeguard at the time. So when I finished uni... I pretty much did that full time when I got home and I had a holiday coming up to Mexico. And this is when I first jumped on Instagram. Okay. And I pretty much sort of like logged, you know, my training, my diet and my results. Yeah. yeah. When I got back from that holiday, I realized, you know, I was lifeguarding. I didn't have much going on. And I was like, you know, what? I really enjoyed that, that dieting. And, you know, the, the validation I may have felt through posting it online and finally seeing good results and getting back into the gym itself because yeah. I had like a big layoff from that back injury. By the way, that injury, I don't know. I just got back into the gym and it just stopped bothering me. It's really strange. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I just carried on. I decided to carry on cutting. And this was only a year ago. And I decided to go all the way till December with pretty much okay. the intention. Of, how, yeah, long sorry, was, how, long, how, how long was that diet? So that, that uh, long diet that you had... From, from Mexico, so you said you're extending it. How how long was that? Just to give the viewers an, an yeah, idea so, of longevity in that. Right, so pretty much the diet leading up to Mexico was six weeks. I got back, and it was all inclusive out there, so you're pretty much eating a lot. I got back, um, and then I, I relaxed for a week, and then okay. decided, that's when I decided, hold on a minute, I really enjoyed that car. I'm going to do it again, or I'm okay. going to carry on. Yeah. You know, I was pretty unsatisfied with life at the time, to be honest. And I decided to prolong it. And from, I believe, the beginning of September, I went all the way to mid-December, which totaled about another 16 weeks. So in to total dieting time was about 22 to 24 weeks. Okay. I pretty much say 22 because two of those were losing what I'd gained in Mexico. So but you can look at that how you like. And, yeah, so I got the leanest I'd ever been. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much my throwbacks at the minute. I'm trying to get back there at the minute. And awesome. yeah, so and for the last eight months, I've been sort of in and out uncontrollably of gaining phases and cutting. Pretty cool. much trying to cut again, but failed attempts, things like that. I see. So that's probably one of the, <laughs> one of the biggest intros we've ever had. But it gives the listener definitely a good idea as to like what you've gone through um, in terms of dieting, uh, what you've gone through in terms of yeah that that sort of the phases that you've had 
uh, throughout your sort of lifting career, time off, um, etc., etc. So, the the main thing I sort of wanted to to really hit on today and sort of give some content out to the listeners is is sort of uh, based around like disordered way of eating and and sort of maybe how to manage it, how to avoid it, and things like that. So, what when you sort of like went through these um, these initial diets, did you have any sort of um, phases or when describe like when disordered eating or issues around eating sort of started to occur and maybe <clears throat> give the listener an idea as to as to how those initial triggers um set off maybe a whole phase of disordered eating so go yeah. ahead yeah so bit of background all my other all the past previous diets i've done i've pretty much gone into them with your typical normal eating behavior you could pretty much say i was at my body weight set point which is pretty fluffy you could call it a little bit of belly love handles but i pretty much some day it was a bit hit and miss with regards to eating so it was actually if my if i had a calorie target and i didn't hit it that day i could happily go to bed you know and be like oh, I could, or i could happily go to bed with the attitude of i can't be bothered to eat so that was my relationship with food like I could go without easily. I didn't really care about food, never thought about it, was never into cooking. I had no interest in food whatsoever other than, of course, when you've been dieting a long time, you do develop like some sort of food focus because you're pretty much starving all the time or most of the time. So at the tail end of the cuts, I would obviously be like really focused on food. Mm. And then I'd always, you know, accepted I was either going on a holiday or then start bulking, like the old traditional cutting bulking. And then I would just eat, be a bit gutted, I'd put on the weight, and within a few weeks of overindulging, I would pretty much be back to normal. I'd be back to, quote-unquote, my body weight set point, and my eating behavior would be back to normal, which Fine. was I couldn't really care less about food. But the, what happened was is my last year's cut, where I did the longest cut, I believe, which is totaled around 22 to 24 weeks, I got to the tail end. I, I was... And I, I didn't really want it to end in mid-December, but I went on two holidays. So I went to Budapest, then I had Christmas straight after, and then I went to Amsterdam for New Year's Eve. Now, the you know I was I was always one of them guys. You know, I took the flexible dieting approach. If it fits your macros, I would never go over my macros like, ever. For instance, you know, I could ha happily sit around people eating takeaways. I'd be like, you know, a machine almost. Never go over. But then when I went on these holidays, you know, I try to track for a day, then you'd go, go over a little bit and then you get into that, I don't know if you can swear on it, that effort mentality yeah. where you've gone over a little bit and you just think, right, I'm going to, I'm going to like lift the limit off and where I'd been dieting for so long, my food focus was crazy. But the difference to the past cuts is I weren't willing to accept that I was going to get uh, heavier again or fluffy. Sure. So then when I'd get back from Budapest, I really believe this, I really believe cheat, cheat days or days where you eat massive amounts do really have some sort of, I don't know if you could call it psycho psychological damage or it really does something to you. Totally Right, agree. so then I'd, I'd get back from, I got back from Budapest and then leading up to Christmas, instead of going back to my normal cutting macros, I got back, I'd put on like, what, three, four pounds, but at level blindness, it was my abs being sharp to being like almost blurred. I know that may be too detailed for people, but obviously when you've put in all that work for such a long time and you can become quite, you know, 
attached to your physique pretty much 100%. and i got back and i was pretty much devastated <laughs> i was working out in a gym so gutted so then i, I did what's called pain, or that's what it'd be referred to so i you know dieted for like 20 weeks 22 weeks leading up to this holiday went budapest it pretty much had a cheat day every day i was there for three days and that's a lot that's probably 10k a day that's probably 30,000 calories over three days got back and I decided I'd diet pretty much. I dieted on 2,100 calories that whole 22 weeks and pretty much seen a consistent pound drop of weight loss a With week. With no refeeds at all? Or... Uh, no refeeds at all, other than there was only one point during that cut. It was my training partner, Dave. It was his birthday. Yeah. And it was somewhere like November, so we'd already done like 18 weeks of dieting. And we we said, should we, should we have a cheat day? And we went ahead of it. And that... That back then, that was a struggle to get back on track after that. But yeah, yeah no refeeds, and I'd pretty much just up my physical activity to so my cardio. So okay. around about week six, I was doing like six hundred calories a week on the cross trainer, mm. and then it was it went up to like two thousand. But I pretty much consistently see uh, the weight keep going down. Yep. Never had to reduce it. But then when I got back from Budapest, I spent two weeks. Bearing in mind, I struggle anyway after these days of eating loads. But I'd, instead of going back down to 2,100, I think I went down to like 6, 1,500. Oh, wow. Okay. I tried to do that for two weeks. Some days I failed and went up to 2,500. That would really, you know, mess up. So this is where it can get really bad when you let it really affect you. So, and then come Christmas, I think I told you this before in a conversation, where I was somewhat lean, me and my training partner, Dave, he, he did a cut as well. He got really lean. He was actually halfway through a prep for... Uh, a show, yeah, show yeah, uh, yeah. mention that so and we used to get up early go to the gym if we went there like tremendous really early we could pretty much work out with our tops off for some videos and we'd we'd have loads of carbs as like a mini mini refeed not a refeed for that day but we'd have a lot of our carbs try and get a good pump and i remember on christmas eve i'd done two weeks of like uh, purging like really restrict dieting i was suffering big time and then on that day, because I'd ate pretty much all my carbs or a lot of my carbs before that workout, I remember finishing it, and it was like one in the afternoon. I was like, I can't, I can't go until the end of the day, like with no food. And bearing in mind, my family had done a Costco shop for Christmas Day. Okay. So there was everything you can imagine in my house, and I broke. And for three days, it was like, I can't tell you if you have a cheat day when somebody advises you to just get back on track as normal how you know good that is because where i'd purged you feel so restricted you feel all these negative emotions that when you do break it is almost like a well i've never been addicted to drugs but i can imagine it's like a relapse and it ain't help it's not healthy one bit because it's not even normal enjoyment of food it's just like this pure gluttony and like people people would said to me around that period you, when you eat you don't look right Mm. And my eyes would get massive. Like, I'm not even what? joking. Everything at the time used to go like, you look like possessed. Would you say that oh. you were very, very food focused at this point then? Extremely. Oh, yeah. And I forgot to mention. So during this cut, leading up to this point, I'm, everybody gets food focused. I don't know if you've seen Eric Electric on YouTube. He does their massive cheat day. Cyclist guy, yeah. That's it. Um, and he even mentioned in his comment section, the main viewers of his videos are people in contest prep so yeah. that made me oh a lot of us out there in contest prep we love watching like uh, eating videos um 
but pretty much I'd spent the only thing keeping me going was I'd sit on Instagram looking at pictures of food. I'd be watching like Jack Gad. I found him. I remember I was like, Jesus oh, no, Christ. That's not a good, that's not a good account. To <laughs> so good, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so pretty much, you know, I'd never go over my macros, but I think, you know, if I could advise anybody like with Dave now, when he's prepping for his show afterwards, I was even telling him, you know, do your best to not fantasize about food basically. Cause pretty much what you're telling yourself is I can't wait for this to be over so I can eat massive amounts of calories. It's pretty much what you're telling yourself. Oh yeah. Um, you're just waiting for that end point to come. Where if you want to get lean and maintain it, hoping to for it to end so you can eat loads is obviously not going to get you where you want to go. Yeah. But pretty much, I was massively food focused. Pretty much went crazy Christmas. And again, you know, you had three four days, I believe, till New Year's Eve. What did I do in them three four days? I purged again. And then in Amsterdam, it was like a relapse. And, you know, I got back from Amsterdam. I pretty much, I somehow come to an acceptance. I thought, right. Because I, I was planning on competing in May, June, July time. Okay. So I pretty much decided at that point when I got back from uh, Amsterdam, to be honest, looking back at the pictures there now, I was still lean. If I'd managed to get under control then, I would have been sweet. But the goal was, listen to this logic. It's crazy. So I was like, right, I need to prep for June, May, June, July. If I start a prep mid-February, I could potentially be stage ready. Or if not, I could get close to where I was before, which I wanted to do as well. At this point, you were and already still food-focused, though. I was massively food-focused. I thought, right, until mid-Feb, I've got a month or something like that, or five, six weeks. So I was like, right, what do I do in this month? I was like, right, I'll, I'll, I'll bulk. <laughs> and But the, the difference between all my other cuts, I said I'd bulk. Okay. So I, so I started eating more. Okay. But with this one, all the purging and binging had made my binges, my, this time bulking was bigger than ever before. So I would eat in loads. But the fact that I knew I'd be starting a potential 20-week prep in a month, and I just was on the, just come out of one, I, I, I knew how bad the restriction was. I was telling myself, wow, you're going to be doing a prep in a month enjoy it while you can so that you made can... you that made you eat more correct that made you eat more massively yeah. more, right and i thought and this was the logic i thought don't worry about it soon you're going to experience what you experienced all them other times you're going to get to your body weight set point and you know the hormones are going to you know go back to normal yeah your psychology is going to go back to normal and you're going to be sick of food like you used to be but the five weeks went by and I, that first day of dieting i remember saying to my family my girlfriend at the time i was like Hold on I, said, tight. <laughs> I was like, what is, what's happened? Like, I said to him, I don't know. I think it was the end of the first week. Like, I was panicking. I was like, this is like nothing else before. Like, this is crazy. Like, because I'm dieting again now. I'm back to normal, if you're wondering. How much did much. you reduce your calories by from, so you went into that like mini bulking phase and then you say like that first week of dieting is horrible. Like that, that's kind of a normal thing, although not probably to your extent if it's like nothing you've ever experienced before. Because <laughs> that first that first week of dieting is, is usually quite a, it's still quite a culture shock. So you go into it and you're like, I'm having way less food than usual. I'm feeling a bit more hungry, feeling a bit more fatigued. It's usually a bit normal, and then your body sort of gets used to it. But obviously, it was like you were you went from like bulking or gaining and still feeling a little bit lethargic yeah. and tired and i can relate to that because like when i finished my diet 
for all of my shows, like five weeks, even eight weeks down the line, I was still like, in between meals. I still felt like I was in prep. Yeah. The, especially like it hit like a certain point of time, either very early in the morning if I decided to fast or very or like in between breakfast and lunch if i gapped out lunch too far i'd hit a point like a half an hour window where i just felt like i like basically went into a period of time where i still feel hungry in between meals and um i think that's obviously a, a very very valid point that sort of seamus made about um so coming from that sort of five week phase where he went into like a bit of a bulk and then straight into the diet and sort of uh, still felt bad coming into that sort of first dieting phase. Um, so give us an idea as to how calories change as a result of that bulk <clears throat> to the to the dieting phase. Right. Um, so yeah. So so pretty much that bulk. If you wanted to know, I've got in my my fitness pal. I was averaging six thousand calories a day, so it was pretty big. And then I decided to go into so the first day cut, and I decided to go down to I believe two thousand, which was lower than what I was before and you know because I was like right I'm in a it's close I'm really out of shape now I need to diet hard so that was the logic behind that but that that was a silly because I was dieting on 2100 before and I was sub 170 pounds for most of that cut or even sub 160 for most of it mm. but what I'd, I went from 150 pounds at the end of that cut and it, that six-week bulk, I went all the way up to 201 pounds. So I put on 50 pounds in about two months' time. Yeah. So and most of that was in that bulk. So going down to 2,000 calories at 200 pounds would put me in like a – I believe, Mark, when you work out your calorie expenditure, it was about 3,000. So my last cut, I was in a 500-calorie deficit. This time, I was in a 1,000-calorie deficit. So not only did I, I still had food focus, the restriction felt pretty – Big. big so yeah, yeah. that made it so much harder as well yeah yeah so i think i think that that in itself gives the listener a huge idea as to maybe why they should really take into account how they should sort of adjust their calories when both going into a, a gaining phase and so not ramping up calories too fast so that you gain a, well, a too much in a short window of time because when you gain too much in a short window of time what you're doing is you're effectively making it so much harder for yourself when you try to come back down so obviously Seamus has gone quite drastically up 50 pounds and then has tried to come back down almost quite aggressively um, and then that's just ended, ended him up in a, a very difficult position um, so you do, do you think that there's anything that particularly now you mentioned like social media which is really interesting so i think that was that that sort of social media presence now with a lot of food a lot of things coming up on facebook you see competitors sharing all kinds of food yeah. and i think that does have a real big impact on food focus and people trying to deal with food issues when they're prepping or even coming out of prep so do you think there's anything really that sort of triggers a uh, food focus for you or triggers um, basically you blowing your macros and going yeah. over them um, and discuss how you've maybe managed them in the past. Right, so definitely, you know, I've just actually cleared my Instagram following out of all these food pages I've following recently. That's one step you can do if you want to eliminate that environmental aspect. But basically I'd followed, around that period actually, I'd followed hundreds there's probably thousands of accounts on Instagram 
of people just uploading what's called food porn. Mm. So, you know, and that can, you're just spending time fantasizing about food. That puts you in a position of, you think to, maybe not consciously, but subconsciously, you're, you're telling yourself, wow, I can't do what I want to do. Because right in that moment, you want to eat, and you're restricting yourself, and that's just going to lead to negative feelings. And I didn't say this at the time. I got a new job working in a gym as a fitness instructor, and I was working with other guys dieting as well. So this is a big thing as well, so mm. another environmental aspect. So I was working with guys dieters, and they were quite, at the time, they were hard dieters in the week, hard. Okay. And then they, they were weekend, pretty much weekend bingers. They might watch this. So <laughs> they were weekend bingers. And so we would, dis, we, they would tell me about their cheat day they're going to have. Or then it turned into like these, I would spend my shift. So obviously I'm working, but anytime we had time to speak to each other, we'd be talking about, because we was dieting at the same time, these cheat days. I'll tell you what, that had one of the biggest effects, talking with people about your cheat day. Even Dave, my training partner, was in prep. He was in, he's prepping for a show. So he, if we was on the topic of cheat days, it would be unreal. Like we're talking about some serious passion here, like talking about what we're going to have, all this, that, and how many calories. And one thing I've got done differently this time around, I've said to him, I've actually said, do me a favor. Do not speak to me about food. That is one thing I've had to do. Yeah. People listening might think that's weird. And why do you not want to talk about food? Because you pretty much had a tendency not to just, um, you know, be appreciative of nice food. It was damn right. You'd become like obsessed. Eyes would be wide open. Oh, yeah. You know, at the time I even started, I become like a trip advisor. <laughs> uh, I started jumping on trip advisor, reading reviews, going there myself, writing. You can have a look on there if you're my friend. Like I was having massive reviews on there. <laughs> I've become a food connoisseur and I'm not like that. Now. That's not like me, right? <laughs> the environment, massive factor. So, Spending time thinking about food, eliminate that. If you can somehow make yourself believe that, you know, or the truth is you're not massively restricted. If you're on a 500 to 1,000 calorie deficit, let's say you're on 2,000 or 2,500 calories, you can still eat a lot of food yeah. with that, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so do your best to not sort of like look at these things and feel restricted and do not, whatever you do, discuss cheat days with people, right? So... Find people that are like-minded that are cutting as well and talk about, now I'm finding it better to talk about strategies of adherence, how you're sticking to it, what you're doing. So instead of using that energy to talk about when it's going to end and you're going to reload, we're spending it, you know, talking about, I love talking about it now, little things you're doing to avoid it. So that's a really good other idea. Things, I like that a lot. Yeah, talking about, love, a, that's a massive pro tip, talking about strategies for adherence rather than talking about the new, latest crispy creme that's come out or something like that that's a that's a really good one mate i think that's awesome so <laughs> you was actually so, top yeah would you say that like changing your environment has been one of the biggest things that's helped you sort of get through it then in terms of uh adhering oh, to a diet etc a big influence and do you know do you know what though i'll say this um i did have a career change and uh, I spend a lot more time at home than I did lifeguarding. I do like split shifts. So there's a lot of time I sit at home not doing anything. Being busy is a massive thing. Keeping yourself busy is one of the biggest things ever. Like I've started doing like the morning walks that you and Steve Hall do. Yep. Man, they make a big difference. I'm telling you. It does. You start the day right, you feel good, you've got some steps that, you know, you get your head in the right space. I think Jeff Nippard even talked about when you go into a gaining phase after a cut, 
start going on long walks in the mornings to sort of just clear your mind, get your head right, things like that. Um, but yeah, I've lost my train of thought. So what was that? Environmental changes and how you've basically yeah. dealt with going into, yeah, going into like different phases of eating. Do you think there's anything in terms of like how you've entered this sort of cut? Is there any, yeah. is there anything you've changed food wise? Because you mentioned environment. Is there anything you've changed food wise? Like maybe opting for more calorie, like voluminous foods. I think also what would be good to mention is maybe um, have you in in a surplus do you find that you still stick to eating high volume foods or because I found what's actually helped me going into a surplus is I hung up I, I held on to like the voluminous prep foods for too long like I was on 3000 like 100 calories and I was still eating like massive egg white omelets and I was like why am I doing this like save that for when you sort of need it rather than right. just just feeling like that all the time plus my fiber was through the goddamn roof was it? so um <laughs> yeah i was like having like 80 90 grams of fiber a day and wondering why i felt a bit rubbish so i think <laughs> i think i think yeah one of the biggest things is like ha have you changed any food options and how do you feel that people should maybe look to change their nutrition both yeah. for, for going into a dieting phase and, and also going into a surplus so yeah, it's funny you should say that. So one of the biggest problems was was when I went into a surplus, I actually did the opposite to you. It was like I stopped complete, completely eating any food associated with dieting. Okay. So it just literally went. And I, guess what I got for Christmas? I told you this before. As I was so food-focused, most of the gifts I got for Christmas were like Americanized candy like Pop-Tarts. So my diet just turned into my only protein source was pretty much protein shakes, uh, you know, and pop tarts, high calorie density foods. Yeah. That's why it's so easy to hit six thousand. And towards the back end of my last cut, the food focus was so high. Um, the approach I took is I would aim for calories and protein, and my fats and carbs would be mixed match every day. I know now working with you, AJ, I'm, I, we had solid figures on those, and that actually did make a big difference. Sure. But because I had free sort of my fats were as high as you know it was very flexible i could fit in high calorie density foods like pastries cookies where this time round, i've kept my fat between 30 to 40 it's gone up to 50 on some days but it doesn't allow me to fit in those foods yep. now some people need those but for me pretty much trigger food doesn't satisfy me not one bit so keeping that fat low has kept me to stick in rice sticking to eating rice you know your typical high volume diet yeah. foods that has made a massive um, so would you say that in a sense it's more about having uh, like that could be that's actually a really good point there is that having individual macronutrient goals actually actually has more importance than we think because yeah. obviously for you or for individuals that are struggling with like some element of an eating issue not not so much a disorder but a disorder i like to call it like a disordered way of eating so they're like yeah. trying to cram in as much shite as they can i think if they like like you were prior to working with myself or prior to hitting individual numbers you were hitting sort of a calorie calorie range or at least yep. just hitting calories and protein and the issue with that is obviously you can send fats uh, fat sky high so you can go like 100 like 80 90 grams of fat maybe keep carbs exactly. really low and smash like like just shit and then obviously you hit your protein via protein shakes really low fat keep chick like chicken low lean meat 
great you're hitting your protein, but you're getting your calories from awful stuff, and therefore you're, you're probably feeling like rubbish as well, so you're probably not going to hit your fiber, etc. Et so I think, yeah, sticking to individual macros, like hitting, like having a lower fat, higher carb approach keeps you more satiated and keeps you focused on actually eating foods that are going to keep you full as opposed Definitely. to cr- trying to crush as much rubbish into your macros. Um, yeah. So do you think there's anything else like maybe from uh, a training or a cardio perspective, did you ever have, this is sort of like one of my final questions is, do you ever have an issue where you had had the purging and the sort of the high calorie days? Did you ever have the issue where you'd have a binge and then you felt like you had to replace that with physical activity? So you felt oh, like yeah. you had to train harder. Yeah. Uh, I noticed oh, you in like definitely. a video once you said like, after a big day of eating, you need to hit a PR, even though you might not be physically ready for it. Like I, I do, yeah. I do really understand that because I'm, I'm sort of the same. But did you yeah. ever like smash calories and then think I've got it right? I've got to smash cardio. I've got to up cardio. Yeah. Um, and what do you think of that in a negative way? What do you think that effect is on the success of a cut? Definitely. So, in the past, I've done. I've, done intermittent fasting and i've done approaches where i do more physical activity to eat more now you can do pretty high cardio if you've got the thought i'm gonna eat more later that can keep you going but if you're doing it to make up for a mistake it's a lot different as you're doing that cardio you're upset that you went over and you really don't want to be doing that cardio and with the massive increase in volume of just physical activity in general your levels will personally my levels of fatigue went through the roof and i don't mean like um, fatigue is in. I felt like I needed to lay down and have a rest. I just mean you've you probably had it at the tail end of your contest prep. You get like heavy legged. Yeah. Everything just feels like a struggle, and you just feel like everything requires some sort of push. And it was that was the main thing because not only was I dealing with food focus, I was I'd go to work and I do inductions, I train people, things like that. I just didn't have the energy. Infu- you got to be enthusiastic if you want to motivate others as well. And I just couldn't do my job properly. And mm. that's bad when it starts affecting your life that much. Yeah. So, yeah, the phys- definitely. So cardio, trying to make up for it, that's the same sort of thing as purging where you're just going to restrict massively and it just brings so much negative feelings. Yeah, I think that is like one of the biggest things I actually see sometimes more with girls and guys is like they'll go over their macros slightly and feel like they have to replace it with cardio. They feel they they have a bad day of eating and they feel like they have to like go and just smash a workout. They could like increase chances of injury, etc., etc. They don't know whether they've had good sleep. They're probably higher stressed as a result of fucking up on their diet. Um, yeah. you know, all these things take place, and I think there's loads of really important stuff um that people can sort of take away from this podcast. But to sort of like round up, as if you've got sort of like your your biggest sort of top tips for for yeah. anyone at the moment that's dealing with some element of disordered eating or food focus what would be like a couple of your your best tips well, to basically get them back on track and you've mentioned so, so many so far but what are yeah. your best ones so pretty much i didn't actually mention this i'll try and make this quick so the the difference is is before I come to AJ, I actually had a month of eating again, and I believe and I don't know where I read this, but 
it was from somebody who's respected on the online fitness industry. Okay. I think it was Steve Hall, actually. Okay. And he mentioned that the people, or so, whoever it was, mentioned that the people that seem to struggle the most with dieting seems to be those that have just, or those that typically can diet well. They then hit a struggle after a very successful dieting phase. Yep. And then when they try to do it again, they just don't seem to be as good. And I've actually built up a little bit of a following now of people that message me all the time that have gone through a similar thing to me. There's so many of them out there. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. They've dieted, sure. they've got lean, and they've got fat, and they really don't want to be. But this is what the difference was. I allowed, working with you, I've actually been able to do this cut normal again. I can't tell you. Like, the last eight months have been pretty much hell. Um, because I put a lot of emphasis on, you know, my physique and I haven't been able to get where I want to go. Yeah. But the, the four weeks before I come to you was, you know, I gave, I finally gave up trying to diet after six months and I, ate, and I had no thought of going back into a diet and, you know, the hormones went back to normal, but more importantly, the psychology got back to normal Yeah. and to pretty much give this as advice to people. And I've gave it to loads of people. I said, look, you're in the same position I was in. You're, you're still got food focus. And I even think Gregor Gallagher made a video on this. You've still got food focus. Your fatigue levels are higher. Pretty much, I don't know if you want to call it your your metabolic rate's gone down or your body's in like reser reservation mode in terms of energy output and things like that. You need, just suck it up for a month or two or three or however it longs. You don't have to do what I did. I put on a tremendous amount of weight in a month. But just get to the point where your eating behavior was what, was what it was before you started any type of dieting, where I'm hoping that's pretty normal. So I pretty much before I come to you, AJ, I had a month of eat, I finally got a normal eating behavior again. I don't know if I said to you at the start, but I said, and after a month, I sucked it up for a month, and you see how big I got that before and after would be out soon. Um, I was sick of where I was, and I believe that was the biggest reason why I've been able to diet again successfully is because I finally allowed. You always hear people say, so you've just done a contest prep, you've put on all the weight do not go straight back into a contest prep. You've probably heard that again yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Massive, and one yeah. of the biggest reasons is, I believe it, if you get back to your body weight set point, let's say you get back to it, some people get back to it in a week or two, or oh, even yeah. you know very quickly. Sure. The psychology, I don't know why, you do not get your normal, like Dave, he's, he did a show a month ago, he's still eating tremendous amounts. He can pull it off though, because he's quite big. He's yeah. Impressive. But um. It takes a good, depending on how long you cut for and how intense, it can take a couple a couple months. Yeah, yeah. That month before I come to, I believe, I don't know why, I just stopped thinking about food. I ate when I was hungry. Yeah. I didn't go mad, I did go mad for the first week. But sure. I finally got a normal eating behavior again. And I, if, you, if you are stuck in that position, this is my best advice. Learn all the things we've just spoke about, all these different ways you can adjust your environment, um, yep, different perfect. habits, maybe, you know, a good habit, staying busy, don't hang around the kitchen or around people that you're always talking about food. But if you're stuck in a similar situation like I was for so long, you pretty much need to just get a normal relationship with food again. And what does that mean? That means stop trying to diet. Stop for trying to diet, yeah. Massive. Yeah, so, and I've actually stopped a few people now from dieting. Like they come to me going, look, they're going through the same thing. I look, you need to do what I did. Uh, I can't find anywhere else a cure for if you're massively got food focus and eat, they're going through the same thing as well. They, they hit the fatigue you get after 20 weeks of dieting within like one or two. I really don't get it. Why? Yeah. But they're doing the same thing as well. And I guarantee after a month or two of eating at maintenance or in a surplus, your psychology will go back to what it was before. 
and then you're in a much better position. So now when I diet and I get lean, of course the food focus is all going to come back, but you've actually got the momentum of a good physique to stay on track. One of the biggest problems for me was I felt like I was putting in so much work. I'd look in the mirror. Time. I'd look in the mirror and see, you know, I'd thought it was a big gut and that yeah. would kill me. Yeah. But results really do motivate you massively. So now I'm seeing the results. I'm over the moon, if you know what I mean. But yeah. that is my biggest tip. Learn everything like we just said, but get a good bit, uh, relationship with food again before you even think about dieting. Perfect. So, um, and I think there's a couple of things that I want to hit on if I can remember them in, in that you mentioned there that are really, really good. I think the first thing was when you're coming out and obviously you mentioned like the psychology changes at a certain point coming out of a deficit. Now, if you've just done a competition prep and you're watching this or you got very lean, a lot of those changes a couple of weeks, three weeks down the line are actually physiological adaptations that are now resetting. So like hormone balances, etc. That is normal. So could take could take two like you said could take really quick depends how lean you get depends on yourself depends on your age etc your body type with your female male etc but the initial bit that block that two to four weeks maybe two to five week maybe even a bit longer right so maybe up to eight weeks depending on the length that sort of like physiological shit that has gone on that is now being fixed that actually alters a lot of psychological things so physiological can affect psychological but it gets to the point where if you've gone through that like eight week nine week block and it goes on it goes on so months and months and months maybe even years if you've still got like a food focus from a diet or a prep and you're and you still haven't gone back into a deficit so say you've actually definitely been in a surplus for like six seven months something like that and you've still got psychological issues with a food focus it's probably best to take yourself like don't be afraid to ask questions don't be Definitely. afraid to search for an answer because if you're watching this and you think fuck i'm i'm still in a position where food focus is an issue maybe there's someone out there like a psychologist a, a specialist in food focus and there are people like that out there that can actually help you so i think yeah. it's very important to like realize if you've got to the point where okay actually this needs to be sorted because it's affecting my life it's affecting the way that i can diet in the future and it's affecting how i feel about my body go and see someone who's like a professional in the area and they'll, they'll probably fix it but a lot of the stuff that we've talked about in in this podcast can fix it in the short term but if you've been dealing with it for a long time you you've already tried all of these things it's probably better to reach out but hopefully a lot of these things can sort of give an immediate effect to someone yeah. that's been dealing with it for either a short or a long period of time. Um, very, very good stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, awesome podcast. Hopefully, I'll be able to piece together the... Uh, just to let the listener know, we, we had like a, a slight Wi-Fi issue, so we're going to be piecing together about three or four, or four bits of a Skype call, but I'm hoping that we can that we can do it because there's a lot of really good stuff in here. So before we sort of end the podcast, Seamus, I'd like you to give the listener an idea as to where they can follow you moving forward. So if they want to like follow you on Instagram, <clears throat> tell them where you're most active um, and yep. then give them all the sort of names. I'll put the links below also. Yeah, okay. So pretty much I'm active on Instagram mainly and that is just my full name. And also Snapchat, that's my full name with a, with a number one at the end of it. I'm sure that'll be in the in the box below or something like that. Sure. I've also started uh, vlogging and making YouTube videos, although I'm not too keen on promoting them massively because my, 
you know, I'm not my editing skills and all that are not where I want them to be at the minute. But it'll only get better, so you can follow me on there. And I, I believe in a, in a, I really enjoy talking about this sort of the, the. I think that'll be sort of my selling point in the future. That what I've gone through, I've just spent eight months pretty much trying to get over what we've just talked about. And I'd say, you know, I'd love helping people that are going through it now as well. So particularly if you're going through anything like that, there's more I can say, I guarantee. So definitely Instagram or even Facebook. I treat that as like a social uh, network platform as well. I'm always posting training Mm -hmm. videos, short ones on there and sharing tons of good articles and advice by other people like AJ, things like that. You're great on Facebook. I definitely recommend following Seamus on Facebook. Lots of good stuff. Um, And I think, is there any like, have you got an email address that anyone can, if they've got like a really important long question that they really want to send you, yep. have you got an email for that? Yeah, so I've got sort of two emails. I've got one that's on my Instagram page. It's just my name, fit at gmail.com. So my name and then fit at gmail.com. Okay. And then I've also got sort of another one, a Hotmail account. That is just my name. It's a quite a weird uh, email with full stops in between every initial. I know, it, yeah. At hotmail.com. So that's pretty much that. Cool. Wicked. Well, thanks again, Seamus, for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Um, And I hope the listener has got a good amount of info from this. Um, And I look forward to potentially uh, maybe talking to you again about a different topic. Because I think, you know, the listener has heard it for themselves. Like, you can talk for days. uh, (laughs) I can, trust me. (laughs) That is a really good good thing for a podcast because I ask a question and you just give loads of content. Um, So I really appreciate it, mate. Um, and we'll, we will be uh, speaking again soon. Thanks to the listener for listening um, or watching. If you've watched on YouTube, make sure you do subscribe uh, to the podcast on iTunes. And I'd also really, really appreciate if anyone could give a review. I haven't got many reviews yet, but in order for the podcast to grow, for me to get more uh, high-profile people on the podcast, um, more listens, like more views, uh, then a review would be really appreciated. So if, if you could give it a review and subscribe on iTunes, that would be appreciated. And uh, give it a like if you're listening or watching on YouTube. And I will see you back for episode 12. Thank you, guys.